The Data Drop is a production of the Data Collaboration Alliance, and full transcripts can be found on our blog. Hi, welcome Heidi Sass. I am a data privacy and technology attorney in the Washington, D.C. area, and I'm a member of the data collaboration community. These are my opinions, not legal advice, as well as everyone else on the show today. I'd like to welcome you to the Data Drop panel, where each month we gather some leading data and privacy professionals to hear about the news stories that stood out for them over the past month or so. In the fast-paced world of data privacy, it's always interesting to hear what's raising the eyebrows and curling the fists of the practitioners. I should note that all of the stories that we'll feature today have been included in our podcast, which delivers a five-minute privacy news roundup every other week. This month on the Data Drop panel, we have three great guests. Jeff Jokish, CEO of Privacy Plan. David Laskowski, Head of Strategy and Regulatory Affairs at Helios Data. And Samir Aharo, Founder and CEO of Ardent Privacy. Today, our topics are gonna to start with Jeff and it is Footprint wants to change how companies collect, store, and share personal data. You wanna kick us off, Jeff? Sure, good to see you, Heidi. Glad to be here. Um, so uh, this uh, interesting new uh, sort of identity company uh, called Footprint is uh, doing something interesting. Um, they're sort of combining a data wallet and, uh, and an identity onboarding system uh, in a little bit of a unique way. And uh, I think it's sort of brilliant. Uh, they just got uh, $6 million in funding from uh, Index Ventures. And what they're doing is they're they're really sort of combining uh, face ID uh, authentication with uh, a few lines of code so that so that companies can essentially drop in um, a button on their website to be able to quickly authenticate people. So the way it sort of works for a consumer is you would sort of give your email address and your phone number, and then instead of having to um, you know, scan your, your ID card and fill out a bunch of other information. You just authenticate with face ID, right? Like on your, your iPhone. And because that's already sort of giving your, your authentication through Apple, um, you can sort of skip the other uh, biometric indicators. And they found that that is is a good way to do identity verification. And then of course you, you may give us some other additional information. Um, but then the cool part about it is not only do that, they do that identity verification, but then they store the personal information that you have um, in like a secure locker uh, that's very like a very encrypted vault. And the companies that then authenticate you through their service can only access that personal information through them in a tokenized way, right? So it's sort of like um, the way TokenX does uh, financial information in a tokenized way, but this is for PII, a limited set of PII, but a little bit of PII that you could sort of access for like KYC. So it's pretty interesting uh, little uh, little application that uh, it's got some funding. We'll see where it goes. I got a question. Um, what are we tokenizing? We get the email, the phone, the face ID, um, which is the transaction what's tokenized? Or I think they get like your social security number and uh, you know a few other pieces of data like that that you would use for for like know your customer information. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's maybe only like 
five or 10 pieces of data, PII is relatively limited right now, but my understanding is they have, they have plans to expand that probably quite a bit. Wow, that's something to watch out for. Wow, interesting. Anybody else have a comment on that? I think, uh, I mean, all these, uh, the, uh, it's kind of your secure wallet, right? Like you give uh, encrypted photos, encrypted. So, uh, so your information. So ideally, it's very good. I think adoptability is the major uh, concern there. And it's basically always uh, a chasing game, right? The, the, the providers first versus consumers. Who adopts that faster? So uh, yeah, um, cool concept. Um, hopefully, I think the if some kind of wallets on the major app stores, um, if actually they extend like a deep integration as a part of ecosystem, I think that's uh, more. Uh, but a very interesting or rather um, concept uh, if it's actually adoptable by the large players. Right. Well, technology, somebody's going to try it and fail for us to learn from it, right? <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, think it, I think it would probably be better if if they had a way that you could actually have it on the consumer's device rather than in the cloud where they're, they're hosting it. You know, right? that's what I was thinking, right? you know, with, with the Twilio and Signal breach and whatnot going on. Like, I, yeah, I think the fewer bridges, the better. And if I could store that on my own device, I'd feel a little bit better about it. But our, devi our devices aren't made to tokenize or store that amount of information at all. Right, right. Yeah. So, David, I think we're going to move on. You've got the next topic. It's U.S. and U.K. launch a research prize for privacy-enhancing technologies. We're going to build some pets. Tell me about it. For those of us in the privacy nerd space, it's kind of like bingo night. You know, it's the opportunity to win some money if you've if you've got the right numbers, and and that's in fact what what what's what's happening. You know, um, there there are four there well three different things you know precipitated by a fourth that have been going on you know at the governmental level. And I, I used to be a regulator myself, a data regulator in the financial uh, community here in the U.S. and and you know seen some of this up close. But you've got the steamroller of privacy laws. Right, you've, you've, uh, uh, that are making it harder to do business, harder to actually use data productively, um, and you know, and, and most of these authorities, and you see it most clearly in, in uh, efforts by the European Community. But you know, to come up with ways to not stifle the economy, usually after the fact, how do we how do we get a, a data economy up and running? And somewhere in there is the realization that for all the technologies that have been de developed to protect data at rest. There haven't been developed a whole lot of really good technologies, certainly not at industrial scale, to protect data in use, to make sure that it's safe to actually use the data, carry out the processing, distribute the results. And, you know, what's been precipitating uh, all of this for the UK and the US in particular has been, okay, now there are a lot of evil people out there who we're seeing every day are starting to use data. So so um, there was a summit, um, a summit of, uh, for democracy that was held last year by the White House. Uh, Biden invited, you know, many different countries, didn't invite certain others. That was kind of controversial. Um, but one of the outcomes from it was, you know, we, we want to increase what are called privacy enhancing technologies, the technologies that would allow data to be usable for important purposes, but make it absolutely safe uh, for, uh, for, for citizens. And so after some, some thinking between uh, the U.S., you know, being headed by the Office of Science and Technology Planning, which is part of the White House, and and some groups within 10 Downing Street, uh, they came out this summer and and formalized just about uh, uh, in early July a contest 
right? A contest where they're looking for companies and, and you know, kind of like the one I'm with at Helios Data, you know, um, uh, big, small, UK, not UK, or UK, US, to, um, to, to enter a contest that has actual data sets for both anti-money laundering and for, uh, and for healthcare. So two major use cases, uh, real data coming from SWIFT from the banking side, from the healthcare community on the, uh, on the healthcare side. And they're saying, bring your technology to the table. Here are a couple of questions we'd like you to be able to answer, demonstrate to us. And that's the first phase. The second phase is that they actually have red teams. And, and since part of this community here, right, it, it's, it's, it, um, uh, it's, it's, it's actually a committee, I won't go into the details, but the committee includes uh, the senior privacy people from the major agencies, everything from healthcare, the HHS, through to, yes, the intelligence community, the, department, uh, the, 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 the Directorate of National Intelligence, which oversees all the intelligence agencies as part of this too. They're creating a, a red team to go out and test all these solutions and try and break in and see how good they really are. <laughs> At the end of the day, and there, there are multiple prizes, no one's going to get the whole 1.6 million that's actually available for this. But what they're, they're looking for are, you know, most innovative, most broad based, um, you know, easiest to use. And, and that, that's a real breakthrough. And, and what they're looking to do here, you know, in part, so the, those, those issues that I raised earlier, is that, you know, the recognition that if, if we're going to have a data economy, if we're going to have safe data in the private sector, as well as in government, for government processing, that we have to have better technologies that are fit for purpose and ready to use. So this is gonna be transparent, it's gonna be visible. Um, and it's also tying into, interesting for those who are listening who, have, who aren't familiar with it, with an RFI, a request for information from these same government agencies to try and, uh, uh, and, and I've got the element for the, the federal register here, which is um, also pretty nerdy and geeky, but important for information on advancing privacy enhancing technologies. They wanna drive these things into the economy. And for all of us in this tech space, there are a lot of us in the space. There aren't necessarily a lot of buyers yet because people are still busy. This is, at least in my opinion, what's going to really, really rev up things and get 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 the privacy economy on both the tech side and on the usage side uh, going. So cool stuff. Bingo night is here. Well, let's all go get our cards in play. Yeah, it's a low investment and with the right amount of height, um, I think that it's a it's a shrewd move. I mean, really, status sells. And I think it's a really important thing for them to do. It's just, I want to remind people that speed to market is key. Um, and you also end up building junk when you do that. Um, so yeah, beware of your privacy enhancing technology. The privacy community is ruthless. And if you build snake oil, we will call it as such. Contest winner or no. So exactly, right? Privacy starts at the code. So if you're going to enter a contest, you better know what you're talking about. And good luck, everybody. So yeah, that's what I got to say about that. Does anybody else? Oh, and if you do say that you're going to add something for differential privacy, um, don't use location data. Just don't even try that right now because <laughs> it is absolutely not possible. So don't even try to argue with me that you can. So that's, yeah, leave that off the table and start elsewhere with other technologies, right? Does anybody have anything else they want to add on the on that front? So I would say, right, PETs, again, the idealistic approach has failed us again and again. So I think the, the, the wrong part there is, all the, I mean, PETs anonymization or whatever we call de-identification track. A lot of yeah, people are, How about that, right? Yeah. A lot <laughs> right. of, a lot of uh, so there is a lot of push or rather the, there is a wrong assumption, right? People kind of companies are hiding behind that, hey, we have this anonymized and, you know, 
how that works, right? So I, I think uh, from the government side, it's a great initiative, no doubt about that. Uh, but we should not be basically assuming that data hygiene is more important. I think we need to solve that problem too. Uh, compared to PETs, even if you have PETs, uh, it's not basically hiding the, oh, I don't GDPR or CCPA or CPR, it doesn't apply to me anymore because all my data is de-identified, right? Because that's very ideal world there. And I actually worked in almost a decade in healthcare space. Uh, it just did not work to the extent and people have to actually uh, continuously take kind of exception me as a security guy all the time, because in practicality, those technologies were good for subset of data. But if you're saying all my data is basically, and we are seeing everyday incidents, right? If the, the, the ad tech and marketing tech or whatever, if they are all basically de-identified, then why are we getting this all kind of incident? So uh, absolutely great initiative and great tech. Of course, uh, there is a scope of uh, innovation there, uh, but we just need to be very practical with what works and what doesn't. Okay. Well, Samir, you, Jeff, if you have anything to add, go for it, because Samir's got the next topic. Yeah. All right. Samir, yep. let's Man. talk about a box of donuts and a poke in the eye from Tim Hortons. Yeah, so I got the easy and actually the funny one, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll take your uh, privacy for a ride for a little bit or we need a mistake and we'll give you a donut. How about that, right? So, <laughs> donuts and coffee, right? So, um, just uh, another uh, data breach. I think there is a group, right? Team Harden, um, the coffee, they, have, they actually use the uh, geolocation data um, and that's what they are being basically uh being punished from canadian privacy regulators that uh hey you use geolocation data without consent uh so i think the the saving the consent or taking consent is absolutely important and that's where i think a lot of uh missing and you know you take a mask you know you take a one consent for multiple things and where it goes so there is some kind of gray areas there uh but i think the app the company is having app or whatever consent mechanism you use, you need to be very clear, right? What kind of data you are collecting at what time and for how much period um, uh, about that. And I think this is one of the breaches uh, where it comes. Uh, now, I think the currency they are paying back, I would say in one sense, right? They are giving basically $2.88 worth of donuts and coffee if you are impacted uh, with the bridge. Uh, it's not approved by the court yet. Uh, but uh, I won't say a bad idea because I think it will be the easiest uh, way to give back to the consumers uh, in terms of those fines rather than actually paying that in real currency. Because if you see, right, uh, all these kind of uh, lawsuits, right, class action lawsuits, how many people actually claim it? Uh, the, the really smart people who actually understand and on the top of the stuff, people are not going to spend their time basically getting $25, $50 worth of gift card and what that is that saves this organization though the 300 million looks very big uh, i don't know how much actually people uh, do that right so um, i think from the regulator perspective uh, we should be giving like penalty like sending them automatic checks or something without even actually applying but whenever i see these penalties right uh, what i see is yeah you have to basically take some action uh, and I don't know, somehow including Gmail or Hotmail, whatever, that email always goes into the spam when there is a, some kind of, uh, basically you are eligible for, say, for example, this particular uh, compensation. 
Um, so in that sense, I would say, okay, they are giving like a $3 credit uh, to everybody. Uh, but other than that, I, I, I just thought that this is kind of some kind of entertaining, uh, entertaining uh, kind of payback. It's not approved yet, but uh, hopefully, because eventually the data location data was people already have an app to compensate them um, in, in the same currency what they sell. Location data, that's that's our next topic here with Jeff. Did anybody have any comments on Tim Horton before we move on to the FTC and their waging war on location data? No, everybody, everybody's ready. Yeah. I yeah, could use the donuts, so I, I, I'd be glad for the donuts, but I'm really not that keen to have my location data stolen. So, you know. <laughs> it's already gone. <laughs> so you want donuts or you want dollars? I think that's the opposite that approach. I might say one thing about the the, the Tim Hortons thing. Uh, Samir makes a really good point that you know actually people probably will claim this, you know, uh, and and redeem these more than they will a a two dollar and thirty you know or two dollar and eighty cent check, right? Um, so it's probably good in that sense. And Tim Horton probably feels pretty good that they they got a decent settlement out of this. Um, and it probably feels pretty good for for their lawyers and maybe their CEO as well, uh, but I think it backfires a little bit in the court of public opinion because um, they're getting a lot of negative, uh, at least a lot, of, a lot of negativity on Twitter and other social media platforms for this uh, this proposed settlement, uh, at least from what I've seen. So I'm not sure if it really served them as well as they thought it might. So, so we could probably use that when we meet for coffee, right? If you would be Part of the bridge. Yeah, I know when I screw up, I just send people donuts, right? Don't you guys? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, mean, no. Uh, I mean, south of the border here, it sounds like you both are north of the, north of the border. Um, uh, you know, we, well, we only have just a couple of of, uh, of uh, Tim Hortons left here. Uh, I love their coffee, but I have to just buy in the supermarket instead. But you know, I, I, th I think the point you're bringing up, Jeff, is probably the, the, the more important one, speaking from both a marketing and a strategy perspective. I mean, class action suits, at least in the U.S. and, and Heidi would know better than I than I would as an attorney. Um, but you know, I mean, there are strict rules on how you can do these things, and and it makes it hard to break through those and come up with something that would be satisfying to us, perhaps, as privacy ad ad uh, uh, advocates. But um, you know. In the court of public opinion, I mean, look at Max Schrems and what he's done, right? You know, ultimately, that may be the greater sanction, you know, is when organizations, when advocates in, 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 in different countries are able to figure out how best to drive the anxiety, drive the concern, drive the passion for, you know, for the next breach or the next misuse of data being absolutely enough, that's it. I mean, two bucks, or even if, you, if it was 200 bucks, I mean, the threshold for pain monetarily just isn't as great as we might want to think it is theoretically. Yep, what he said. <laughs> yep. Jeff, you wanna talk about my new favorite agency, the FTC? Yeah, so the FTC is, uh, uh, They've got a proposed enforcement action against a data broker in, in Idaho called uh, Kachava. And it's a relatively small data broker. Um, and I guess this is sort of the idea is to make an example out of these guys. Um, I'm not sure if they're doing anything a whole lot different than other data brokers. But um, they've essentially uh, sought to enforce an injunction against Kachava for its precise geolocation data, which the agency argues can be used to track people uh, to various locations, including abortion clinics, right? Um, and the proposed complaint alleges that they collect information about consumers from their mobile devices, 
by buying data from other brokers to sell to its own customers, right? Uh, including time stamped, uh, latitude and longitude coordinates showing the location of mobile devices. Um, so that precise geolocation can be used to identify people, right? And track them to therapist's office, addiction recovery centers, medical facilities, reproduction centers, right? All of this, right? Kachava is now denying that and essentially saying, hey, we only use mobile IDs and you know the 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 location information may not be quite you know what you say it is, but really it's you know uh it's it's like you know what a lawyer would say trying to in my opinion weasel out of those claims right it's pretty obvious that they sell timestamps geolocation information and even if it's not directly identifiable anybody who buys enough of that data is going to be able to figure out some people who are at certain locations so you know their other argument is that that people could simply opt out of being tracked in their location and so even though they're not the ones who are collecting that consent you know people could opt out and you know therefore they've got that information uh with consumers consent even though they didn't collect that consent so you know they're also arguing that hey we're just sort of the target of this right and we're uh you know the ftc's trying to beat up on us uh, to make us look bad when everybody else is doing bad things too which i'm not sure is much of an argument but that's part of their their lawsuit anyway um the fcc is cracking down and these guys are going to be the poster child and it looks to me like they're going to win because it's it's uh pretty you know um cut and dried as far as the case from what i can see so and i'm pretty happy that they're clamping down yeah, the company just today, just today, decided to announce they're coming up with a new privacy block so that they can mm -hmm. remove health location data from its marketplace. Right. Right. Um, and they're saying they just misunderstand our services. And you're right. Their argument that, gosh, we're just doing the sleazy stuff like everybody else. That's not a justification. Like, it's not that. <laughs> um, and yeah, somebody has to be made an example. And guess what? It's your lucky day. So uh, it, it's fair warning and prior notice to everybody else that's doing the same thing that you are fair game. And don't think that the FTC has to be the one to come after you, because as soon as they come after you, the plaintiff's bar is going to use that case to come after you in civil court. So, yes, no one is safe and you're on notice and you've got to stop doing this right now because uh, the FTC doesn't have any other way to try to work to protect women in the precarious situation that we've been put in. So this is something that they're doing now. Um, and rule the rulemaking that they're doing as well is going to address some of these issues, but they cannot wait for rulemaking processes. You know, right. I mean, that's just way too much time between right now when people have safety issues beyond privacy and what they need and what they can do to make a difference. So I applaud their effort. It's about time they let the dogs off the porch. So I think it, it's great news. Um, anybody want to disagree? I think it's great news. I think it's great news as well. I, I would like to see in, in this here, and I, I look, I I I I did a, a stint at the Securities and Exchange Commission where we kind of did the same sort of thing, but we always did, a, I think, a better job than I've seen the FTC doing at letting the world know what we're going to do, why it's important, and giving everyone fair notice. Not not just the lawyers, but the managements of organizations to give them the fair notice that they have 
not very much time. They have time, but not very much time to get their, their act into gear uh, and to at least demonstrate that they're trying as, as, they, as, they, as they make their effort to get out a better product. I'd love to see more of that going on. Um, but yeah, you know, this case is, is giving a, a heads up and, um, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll be listening. Um, it's not. It's 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 never a good day when you find out that your your company has received a, a, a subpoena. Yeah. It, you know, it still costs real time and money to get you out of trouble you may or may not be in. So the sooner they act to do something about it, I mean, honestly, the threat of enforcement has already got this company changing how they conduct themselves. Um, so that's pretty effective right there. Um, let's uh, move on to the next topic. I think we might be running out of time here. David, you have a report you want to talk about. 94% <laughs> of consumers want control over the information they share with companies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of one of these things where, where um, you know, there have been many surveys like this over, over the years. Uh, the question of whether intent follows through behavior, you know, the question is that, well, everybody wants to protect their data, but yet there's this belief that, that especially, you know, it's millennials or gen this or gen that, depending on, on, on who's doing the reporting, that they don't really care about and they'll give it away just for a free jewel on, you know, on Candy Crush or something like that. Um, uh, but, you know, th th this survey from a group called Consent, Consent with a Q, um, uh, it covers both sides, both what the, what the what people are are looking for, what 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 survey, uh, uh, what 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 citizens are saying, and also what companies are saying, and you know they, they're 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 fascinating in that you know it says ninety four percent of consumers feel it's important to have more control, um, and an almost equal number of marketers, eighty four percent, that consumers are more like uh, th that are concerned that if they do that, they're going to lose out, that they're going to suffer some kind of of penalty. I mean, this is this is the, the the problem in a nutshell. Especially if you want companies to try and do the right thing, um, it, it's hard for them to do it. And and there's this background, whether it was you know dolphin safety, dolphin safe tuna, or recycling, or even you know me too. Getting people to respond uh, to safety marketing is very difficult because the the act of safety marketing raises anxieties. I mean, think about it. How many airlines? And, and people have thought about it, but how many people, how many airlines say, we're the safest airline, or we have fewer accidents than the other guys. I think only Volvo has gotten away with that in, in any kind of business that I've seen. And, you know, the challenges here is, is who moves first and how do you in enable marketers? And marketers, they may, there are some who may not be reputable, but we, we need to buy products. We need to know things about products. Marketers need to find buyers. Buyers need to find marketers. How do we close that gap? How do we enable analytic, how do we enable the data to be provided? And so people, and whether it's 94% or 70%, I think it's more and more. How do you get people to be willing to trust the processing of marketers and other data users so that marketers and data users, companies, are, are able to carry out the, their work of providing what people in the economy want. There is a right answer. There is a good answer down there. It's not all progressive. It's not all ultra conservative. There is a good answer in the middle. And I, I think this is this research from Consent, uh, especially as, 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 and what's alluded to in, in the article, um, you know, the, the upcoming uh, uh, American Data uh, Privacy Protection Act, Right. What what will our GDPR be? Probably won't happen this session of Congress, but something will happen eventually. How will they get at the proper balance between what protects people and what enables uh, uh, economies to roll forward productively? I'm glad you added that second number in there because I'm always concerned when a number is riding by itself. 
right? 90 yeah, yeah. consumers, right? Well, you know, as compared to what? What else are we measuring and what are we talking about here? Um, whether, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of room for behavioral economics and some Kahneman to be overlaid over this discussion right here, I'm pretty sure. Um, but my problem is still with the hardware. Um, because, you know, the Data Collaboration Alliance, we believe in access, not copies. And so we do want to own our data and we want to grant people access to it. But our devices aren't ready for us to do this in every area of our digital world. And so the sooner we can convince people these are the changes that we need to make, at the same time, we need to educate the marketing individuals. There are other ways other than tracking and surveilling to you know, get people to trust your brand and to become a customer. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of transition and a lot of room for growth for everybody, quite frankly. There's a lot of room for innovation, but people have to accept the fact that things are gonna change, whether you like it or not. It depends on how painful you want that change to be. So there are a lot of resources available and people can go out and find help to make these changes happen. You know, check out what we're doing at the Data Collaboration Alliance. Um, as well. But honestly, those people who just want to ignore and continue marketing the way they are and maintain the status quo, they're wasting their lobbying money. So like you said, it's going to pass sooner or later, and they're going to have to change the way they do business. So I, I'm hoping for sooner, but I don't always get what I want, right? <laughs> I don't always get what I want. You know, it brings us to our last topic here, though. Does anybody else have anything to add on that one? So I think uh, the whole consumer trust is a big thing, right? That will drive privacy than anything else, right? Apple took a big step there um, in terms of even branding that as well as uh, doing some changes in their, the way they uh, want to be transparent with data, at least uh, the constant multiple. So I, I think it's an emerging thing uh, overall and it should align with the ESG, right? Those kind of uh, social or aspect of companies, they really want to be a responsible company because see, you have a data breach today, it happens like, you know, every three months you are in the new cycle for compromising data. Yeah, it will impact what people, right? People will create fake accounts, basically in terms of doing business with you or try to find something other. Uh, you might cash them into like, okay, you don't have other option, but I think that's not the way, good way to do business. That's for the large players. Uh, but consumer trust is a big thing for privacy. Uh, and another thing is people need to understand the difference between security and privacy, right? How responsibly companies are actually managing their data. Uh, and this is not just for marketers, but even for first-party data versus third-party. So there is a lot of stuff. So I think it should align with the company's ESG kind of goals uh, and should be part of it. Excellent. All right. Hey, we're on our last topic, Samir. It's up to you, man. You want to talk about TikTok? Yeah? Let's yeah. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, uh, and I kind of talked about, right, we, we all talked about TikTok owned by the Byte uh, dancer company, Chinese company. Um, so what actually the, the, the federal uh, community, uh, FCC, right, FCC chairman actually wrote a letter, uh, a big letter, uh, that Google as well as Apple, right, to Sundar Pichai as well as Tenko, that they should be removing the TikTok app from their app stores. Uh, so there is some precedence to it as well, right? India actually in 2020 uh, uh, banned TikTok from having, uh, and because of their deceptive practices, right? So what they call is ship clothing, right? So all the, the kind of shots and marketing and the, the the creative way of videos uh, people are doing uh, on that platform, which is extremely popular, right? So I think there is a lot of, uh, I mean, in terms of the user base, there is a large user base where people 
are basically may find it difficult to live without that. But I'm pretty sure the Instagram and um, other uh, YouTube, I think they also have come with like shots and kind of, so there are options out there. Uh, but the key thing about this, we actually wrote an article almost two years back, right, um, about the data nationalization, the concept, right? We covered that in the um, article and we actually thought about this uh, way long, that I may be comfortable sharing my data with my own government, right? So now privacy between me and government is a different topic, but at least in this global e-trade, here's what I found see, on look at this. First, use your so, fingerprints to unlock the device. So, e-trade, yeah, no, no, that was the automatic Samsung, <laughs> uh, the, the, whatever, the voice prompting. Our, our devices anyway, are listening. Yeah, the listening stuff, right? So, wow. uh, without my consent, right? Some kind of picked up. God, Samir, that was a data breach on our call. <laughs> God, man. So, Samir, I recorded your voice on that. And so now I'll be able to play it back and have access to everything, I guess. <laughs> everything, right? We're making videos so, right now. Yeah. So coming back to the nationalization concept, I may basically say, for example, I live in US, right? I, I'm okay with US um, basically government uh, having my data, but I'm not actually comfortable like uh, European, China, Russia, or basically Singapore or any other government having that data. So within the UN, the privacy paradigm, who you data share and this global e-commerce trade or basically the way we do, once data is on there, I share that. And if that company is doing business, where it originates, a lot of times we know, we don't know. Um, so I think interesting um, in terms of there has to be, so they are told, right? The, the FCC commissioner has told, uh, given a very detailed, that how it actually uh, harvests uh, the sensitive, very personal data uh, from the users. And I think it's a lot of personal data, right? Images, your videos. I mean, you can make sense of any kind of, I mean, it must be on face, right? What, what kind of videos, your behavior, your pattern, the, how people are basically propagating that uh, information. So yeah, so FCC basically wants to ban those apps from uh, both app stores. Uh, and I think TikTok will get uh, a lot of, they're actually getting away with the ORAC, they're storing that in the US, uh, but the key theme there is that data is still accessible from anywhere in the world, like China, where they're headquartered. So it's yeah. not about just where you store the data, but also from where you can access it. So you may actually do like localization, but that doesn't cut the, or fit the bill there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, I agree. Does anybody else want to add anything about TikTok? I found it interesting that it has surpassed Google in some measures on doing search um, because Google is so show, you know jam full of ads that people will just look it up on TikTok. It brings up a video right away. Um, has anybody else experienced that? Have you seen that happen? I've seen it happen. No? All right, I've never what? been on TikTok. That's I'm sorry. What's happening. <laughs> that, that's what's happening. I did not make that up. Um, did anybody else have anything they wanted to add here? We're we're at the end of the show. Any predictions, last thoughts, comments? Yeah, I think you know. I think it's interesting. The the bigger question for me. I mean, we could talk about TikTok and its collection practices and algorithm. I could talk about that forever. But I think the more interesting question about TikTok is the fact that the, the administration sort of asked the platforms to to take it down, and they didn't. And what's the calculus there? Um, you know, why did they ask? Why didn't the platforms respond? If they did take it down, what would that actually mean for sort of for international relations? I mean, how would China respond? How would TikTok respond? 
Um, there's a lot of interesting things going on there too, right? How would consumers respond, right? It has a lot of use of makes. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and and you always have to look at both sides, as we as we said before. You know, for the to to create a a great kerfuffle. You know, um, uh, you know, is, is there information that is unique that would be you know, that would be, um, you know, that's being provided. I mean, you know, this is a, a really difficult thing from a regulatory perspective to be able to balance, to balance out. You want to get it tuned just right, right? You know, and save your, save, save your, your gunpowder for the, for the, for the most important thing. Maybe this is the most important thing. I'm not deeply familiar with it, but it seems like there are a lot of other really, really important and urgent items out there that need to be fought, like getting a privacy law into place. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and that is a kind of solution to it, right? ADPPA does have actually what kind of data elements you can collect. It has actually the eight or ten, whatever. I think that's very impressive. I think 16, maybe. What kind of data you can collect is a is a clearly written there. So yeah. I think, of course, uh, that definitely uh, is is gonna. But yeah, I think that needs to be uh, needs to happen first. But I think uh, uh, this should be actually done across all the platforms, not just TikTok, right? So even YouTube, Instagram, right? So the, there should be one standard and we all will be basically have better privacy in general, right? Why just basically one platform? Um, yeah. One every platform which actually, so that will actually put uh, a lot of uh, uh, a kind of privacy by design controls for the platforms, the new platform which will be coming. Yeah, I think the short answer on that is money. Um, just one example of, of revenue streams coming is Horizon Worlds in Oculus headsets will be taxed by Meta 50%. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you want to sell some stuff with your you know, eye twitches. It's going to cost everybody all the way around. It's going to be a hot mess. I can't wait to never go in there. So <laughs> The Metaverse is going to be so amazingly expensive. It, it'll be cheaper to go to Hawaii instead. Absolutely, right? All right. Well, that does it. That's a wrap, everyone. Thanks again to our guests, Jeff Jokas from Privacy Plan, David Blaskowski from Helios Data, and Samir Aharo from Ardent Privacy. I'd also like to invite listeners to join the free data collaboration community. We're a vibrant group of data-savvy professionals who collaborate on open data sets and build free tools for important causes. Visit datacollaboration.org forward slash community to learn more about becoming a founding member and getting the link to sign up. I want to thank everybody for coming today. And that's it. The Data Drop is a production of the Data Collaboration Alliance, a nonprofit dedicated to advancing meaningful data ownership and global collaborative intelligence. Data Drop viewers are invited to check out our free community where members collaborate on datasets, dashboards, and open tools in support of important causes. Visit datacollaboration.org.